0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I've always loved music. As a kid and as a teenager, I took all sorts of instrumental lessons. Piano, clarinet, guitar, and an ill-fated attempt at the oboe. Being able to express myself through music especially being able to make music with other people, was so important to me. But I didn't want to play, especially not in public, until I knew it would sound good. So of course, that meant, yeah, you guessed it, I pretty much never played. Instead, I just got more and more discouraged about how I wasn't any good at any of those instruments. It didn't help that most of my close friends were incredibly talented musicians, and I found myself asking, who am I to think I can offer anything that good? My passion for creating music stayed strong, but my willingness to create it was being surpassed by a growing resignation. I just can't, I thought. Now, I really regret that I didn't stick with those lessons. I now quote comedian B.J. Novak, regret is just perfectionism plus time. I asked some of my ministerial colleagues about whether they'd experienced this phenomenon, and Reverend Amy Zucker Morgenstern wrote, shall I just fax you a couple dozen pages from my diary? (laughs) Here's one example. One of my best friends got married five years ago. The friend who organized the shower, to which I couldn't go, requested that everyone send the couple a recipe. Rather than just send a recipe, I was going to make a work of art out of that blessed thing, illustrated, hand-lettered, with poetic asides about the metaphorical significance of saving vegetable peelings for stock. Long story short, I haven't sent the recipe yet. When I was preparing for my first job interviews, my dad gave me the tip that when an interviewer asked me the question, what is your greatest weakness, that I should respond with the weakness that isn't really a weakness, I'm a perfectionist. I'm coming to see that while perfection is a laudable goal, perfectionism can paralyze us. Let's parse that a bit. Author Brene Brown writes, perfectionism is not the same thing as striving to be your best. Perfectionism is the belief that if we live perfectly, look perfectly, and act perfectly, we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. It's a shield. It's a 20-ton shield that we lug around, thinking it will protect us, when in fact, she concludes, it's the thing that prevents us from soaring. A great way to practice setting down that shield of perfectionism, the paralysis of not trying something until you know it'll come out just right, is to sing in a choir, My high school choir director, Mrs. Santair, changed my whole approach to music when she told us, sing your mistakes loudly. We need to be able to hear them in order to fix them. She didn't say if you make a mistake. When learning a piece, it's nearly guaranteed that we will. What she said was, let's hear them. And let's grow because of them. How might it be in our lives if we were willing to make our mistakes out loud? How might it be if we were willing to let people see us grow because of them? Allow me to preach to the choir for a moment. Hi, guys. We get the blessing of getting to practice this week after week. We work our tails off in rehearsal, we practice, we do our best, and then Sunday comes. Whether we think we're ready or not, Sunday comes, and it's time to sing what we've got. We could live week to week in perpetual terror, of making our mistakes and having them heard by the congregation, of missing an entrance, of flubbing up a tricky section. That sounds really miserable. (laughs) It also sounds like a quick path to burning out. Instead, week after week, we get to practice finding joy and satisfaction in offering whatever it is we have to offer which is an opportunity I now extend to you all. My dear friend, Lindsay Scott, taught me this great adaptation of part of Leonard Cohen's song, Anthem, which Mark, David, and Julie will play in a little bit. It's a call and response song, and yep, we're gonna sing in the middle of a sermon. So I'll sing a line, and you sing it back to me. Don't worry, the choir will help you out, and this is a perfection-free zone, okay? All right, so it goes like this.
1: Forget your perfect offering. Forget your perfect offering. Just sing the song that you can sing. Just sing the song that you can sing. There is a crack in everything. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light. That's how, that's how the light gets in. That's how, that's how the light gets in. Forget your perfect offering. Forget your perfect offering. Just sing the song that you can sing. Sing the song that you can sing. There is a crack in everything. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light. That's how, that's how the light gets in. That's how, that's how the light gets in. Ooh, you
0: sound good. (laughs) We can go home now. Yeah, we gotta have lunch. The 18th century French philosopher Voltaire wrote that perfect is the enemy of the good. I might put it this way, don't let the perfect get in the way of the good. I first heard this teaching from an amazing community organizer named Mayor Lakin. I was a new fellow with the Jewish Organizing Initiative, a one-year community organizer training. It was our first week together and we were getting an intensive primer on community organizing. Mayor led us through these sessions which broke open our hearts, inviting us to really see and to be angry about the injustices in our world. I remember feeling like a fire had been set in our hearts to gather people together to bring about a better world. And then I felt so overwhelmed by the scope of how broken our world was, by how much work there was to do. I heard my group mates dreaming big, envisioning huge actions that would produce huge society-altering winds. Just as the energy in the room was getting almost unbearably intense, Mayer paused and said, One of the most important things in justice work is to not let the perfect get in the way of the good. Hang on to those dreams of the world as it could be and keep working until you get there. But don't let it paralyze you or keep you from seeing the value in the smaller wins. Justice work is done one small step at a time. And you need to celebrate each step in the right direction. Otherwise, he concluded, what's the point? One of my favorite spiritual teachers, Martha Beck, identifies as a recovering perfectionist. She offers up the ways she's found to reduce her anxiety about her imperfections, including her imperfection at ridding herself of perfectionism. (laughs) And I encourage us all to try out these following four exercises imperfectly. Exercise one, personify your inner perfectionist. Beck writes, I've been using the term perfectionist as though it's something you can be. Actually, I think it's something people have, like bunions. (laughs) Separating your innate personality from your perfectionism frees you to confront it rather than get lost in it. To that end, I recommend giving your perfectionism its own name and face. Scribble a picture of it, name it something ridiculous, mine's named Brumhilda, and do something insulting to this picture whenever your perfectionism acts up. By just externalizing and rejecting your inner critic, you rob it of its power. Exercise two, embrace creative helplessness. Your perfectionism will tell you that it is your ticket to perfection, your one chance at a flawed, flawless, (laughs) existence. This may be true for you. If your brand of perfectionism has created a life free of mistakes or shortcomings, by all means, carry on. But if you're anything like me, perfectionism usually paralyzes you before you begin, stiffens you until you screw up and sends shame howling through your consciousness even if you do well it's time she says to wake up and smell this dark roasted little truth perfectionism never delivers on its promise of perfection it does not work Some psychologists use the phrase creative helplessness to describe that moment when we realize that our psychological strategies are useless or counterproductive. Giving up the delusional hope that we can or must be flawless allows us to seek happiness in the only place it can be found. Our real, messy, imperfect experience to arrive at creative hopelessness, Beck says, write down your reason for maintaining your perfectionism. It might sound something like this. If I try hard enough and I'm very careful and I follow all the rules, everything will go right and everyone will love me and I will feel good all the time. Now ask yourself the following question, made famous by our good friend, Dr. Phil. So. How's it working for you? <laughs> Beck writes The most common response I get when I ask this question, whether I'm addressing myself or a client, is laughter. Releasing our doomed, anxious hope for perfection opens us to the joy available in our actual lives. Exercise three do something really badly. Gradual, safe exposure to whatever makes us anxious is often the most powerful way of eliminating anxiety. In order to not be cowed by imperfection, you must not only accept the imperfect, but seek it. Beck writes, I never sit down to write an excellent first draft or even a good one. Following Anne Lamont's writing advice, I give every first draft the same working title in big capital letters. Terrible, horrible, no good, very bad first draft. My goal is always to create something readers wouldn't even want to scrape off the bottom of their shoes. Adopting this objective gives me permission to do the lousy job I'm sure to do on any initial attempt. It gets me through the excruciating process of going from nothing to something. No matter how odious it may be, turning it into something better is usually less work. And you may even turn it into something good. The first step toward achieving excellence is imperfection. So try this. Choose something you've always wanted to do, paint, jog, whatever. Now set out to do this thing really badly. Your inner perfectionist may erupt in violent protest, thank her for sharing, Then, (laughs) then reward yourself for daring to do a terrible job. An even better option is the buddy system. Commit with a friend that you'll both do something really terribly, then praise each other for following through. If we have the guts to do this, we'll find that contrary to conventional wisdom, people love us when we're openly imperfect. And finally, exercise four, just keep showing up. Beck writes, 90% of staying in shape, says one of my professional athlete clients, is getting to the gym. I've heard high achieving people say the same thing about pretty much every human endeavor. Successful musicians just show up day after day to practice their instruments. Successful business people show up for their customers. Successful writers show up at the blank page Ask any of them, and they'll tell you that most days, they come nowhere near to perfection. What makes them winners is not instant excellence, but the sheer dumb repetition of showing up. The same is true of the even more significant task of sustaining human relationships. Consider the people who have most blessed your life Are they the folks who you remember as perfect, or those who were simply, consistently there for you? You don't have to be perfect for your friends, your children, or your beloved. You just have to show up. Beck concludes, long experience as a profoundly flawed person has taught me this unexpected truth that welcoming imperfection is the way to accomplish what perfectionism promises but never delivers. It gives us our best performance and genuine acceptance in the family of human and by that I mean imperfect beings. Here and now, This is my wish for us. When we catch ourselves asking, who am I to offer the world my imperfect offering? Ask instead, who am I not to? The world needs our messy, imperfect gifts. And to remind us, let's
1: sing it one more time. Forget your perfect offering, forget your perfect offering, just sing the song that you can sing, just sing the song that you can sing, there is a crack in everything, there is a crack in everything, that's how the light that's how, that's how the light gets in. That's how, that's how the light gets in. So may it be.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, Please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.